0: podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, AntiochCOS.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to invite you to the book of Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42, our text actually for the morning is found in Isaiah 43. And our text that we'll be focusing on is Isaiah chapter 43, 1 through 7. But in order for us to have a little bit of understanding of what is being written in chapter 43, we really need to back up and hit at least the second half of Isaiah chapter 42. Now Isaiah, as I said last week, it's a massive book and there's a lot of things that are going on. And as the Lord revealed himself and revealed his word to Isaiah, he was speaking to the people of Israel and Judah and he was speaking to them during a time where they were not in exile yet. And essentially, the Lord was saying, because of your sin, because of your idolatry in particular, you are going to be sent into exile. Uh, You're going to be displaced from your land. You're going to be removed from the temple. In fact, the temple is going to be destroyed And this is going to be earth shattering and paradigm shattering and faith shattering. And it's going to seem like your entire world is falling apart. And then there's a second half or a second part of Isaiah that's found in Isaiah chapter 40 through 56. And this is spoken to the people of Israel while they are in exile, giving them hope and declaring that God will send his servant, the Messiah, the conquering king, who will come and who will bring deliverance. And then the book ends, the last third of the book in 56 through 66 is actually speaking to the eschaton, speaking about God's plan and his vision for the future of all eternity. And so here in Isaiah chapter 42, this might be a little lengthy, but we're going to begin here in verse 18. It says here, this is God speaking, here you deaf, look you blind and see. Who is blind but my servant? He's speaking of Israel here. Who is blind but my servant and who is deaf like the messenger I send. Now, if, if you're not really keen on what's going on here, you're going to see that there's this servant motif that, that Isaiah utilizes all throughout the entire book. And there's numerous themes that he hits on, but one of them is this idea of the servant. And so when he references servant, he's, he's utilizing this either to speak of Israel who was called to be God's servant, but failed in their task. Or he's speaking of the suffering servant, who is Jesus, who was called and who fulfilled the task that Israel failed to do. And so now God is speaking to Israel. Who is deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one committed to me? Blind like the servant of the Lord? Not talking about Jesus, talking about Israel. In other words, he's saying, and he says this a lot throughout the entire book, and Jesus quotes this later in Matthew when he talks about the fact that you'll have eyes, but you cannot see. You'll have ears, but you cannot hear. This is where Israel's at. Pre-exile, even into exile, regardless of the fact that God had sent them prophets, God had sent Isaiah, God had sent Jeremiah, God had sent Ezekiel. They were hearing the word, but they were deaf. They were seeing the activity of God, but they were blind to what God was actually doing. Verse 22, actually verse 20. (laughs) You have seen many things, but you paid no attention. Your ears are open, but you hear nothing. It pleased the Lord for the sake of his righteousness to make his law great and glorious. Look at that, I just love this. It pleased the Lord for the sake of his righteousness to make his law great and glorious and glorious it reminds me of this passage i believe it was in deuteronomy maybe it was in exodus but god was god was revealing the law at sinai to moses and moses is is recounting back to the lord the fact that it is the law that god has given and the wisdom of god that he has given in his law that actually becomes a, a part of the witness of israel that people will look upon Israel. All the nations of the world will look upon Israel and they'll see the wisdom by which they live life and the wisdom by which they order their society. And they go, where where is this wisdom come from? And Moses reveals, obviously through through the Lord, that this wisdom of this law comes from God. And this is what God is saying. It pleased me to reveal the righteousness of my wisdom through the law. Verse 22, but this is a people plundered and looted all of them trapped in pits or hidden away in prisons. They have become plunder with no one to rescue them. They have been made loot with no one to say, send them back. Now this is real time. So this is now speaking of when the Israelites were taken into captivity because of their sin. This is prophesied multiple times. They would hear, they would not respond. They would not repent. They would not turn from their idolatry. They would not turn from their wickedness, their complacency. And so this came upon them, verse 23, which of you will listen to this or pay close attention in time to come. Now, this is important. Who handed Jacob over to become loot, And who handed Israel to the plunderers? Now, see, in, in the psyche and in the mentality of the Israelite people, it was, man, we're the people of God. We're blessed. We're the special ones. We're the chosen ones. We're the favored ones. We have the promised land. We have Abraham. We have the law. We have the, we, man, we we can't mess this up. This is, this is locked in a bag. And God is saying, guys, listen, you are my favorite ones. You are my chosen ones. My pleasure is on you. But because I'm a holy and just God, I cannot and I will not, I will not cohabit with the sin of the idolatry that you're living in. So it's not just, and if, if we're not careful, America as a nation can slip into this. If we're not careful, it's, oh yeah, we're the chosen one, we're the chosen country, God's given us the prophets, God's given us the law, God's given us all these amazing ministries. We have the mega churches, our country was built on a Christian foundation. And here's the thing, God is saying, just like he's saying to Israel, he could say to us today, that belonging into the family of God, belonging to the covenant, it's not just a sure deal. It's our life and our lifestyles have to reflect the life of the covenant. And so this is what he says. He's, guys, who handed you over to exile? Who handed you over to be plundered? Was it not the Lord? Was it not the Lord? See, in the mindset of the people, they're thinking, well, if God couldn't save us, if God couldn't deliver us, well, then he's really no different than all the other gods that we're worshiping or no different than all the other gods from all the countries that are posing threats of invasion. And God's sitting back and saying, listen, I know this is gonna rock your world, but guys, I'm in this. I'm in this. You know, it's kind of reminiscent on the, for, on the front end. I mean, we can look back and we could say, it's reminiscent of the father saying to the prodigal son, hey, if you are just gonna be so insistent on living your way, And choosing your lifestyle, if you're gonna be so insistent and so hard minded and so high minded, then I'm gonna let you go and experience and taste the fruit of your decisions. And that's what's happening to Israel. And God's saying, I'm not making this happen to you, but I'm sure not intervening and preventing it. And I am allowing this to happen in the hope and with the trust that your hearts will turn. And even when they went into exile, Their hearts did not turn. Their hearts did not turn. So was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they would not follow his ways. They did not obey his law. So it ends right here, verse 25. Listen to how stark this is. So he poured out on them his burning anger and the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames, yet they still did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. I mean, listen to that. Boom. Like, what if we just ended right there? That's harsh. So he's saying, I've pursued you, I've chased you, I've loved you, I've sent you prophets, I've given you warnings, I've given you the heads up and you didn't have ears to hear, you didn't have eyes to see, you still chose what you wanted to chose. So I allowed war to come upon you. I allowed the temple to be destroyed. I allowed your entire land to be plundered and looted. The land that I worked so hard to give you throughout the redemptive history of Israel. Now you're living underneath another people and you're still not turning. Look at verse, look at chapter 43, verse one, but now, everybody say, but now, now. this has to be perhaps one of, one of the most amazing demonstrations of grace that we have in the entire scriptures, because here's what, here's what God is essentially saying. I mean, look at how chapter two or chapter 42, verse 25 ends. I mean, it's like, that's fine. I'm gonna let you be enveloped by the flames of war and, and if that's the decision that you make, that's the decision that you make. And then verse, to chapter 43, verse one, he says, wait a minute, but now. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. Now what's going on here? God is saying, you're not turning. You're not turning in judgment. You're not turning after the law. You're not turning after the prophets. You're not turning after the warning. There's something, and and God knows. God knows that we are utterly unable in ourselves, that we are just incapable. And he knows this. And this is why throughout the rest, remember this section here of chapters 40 through 56, this is where we have the suffering servant that comes in chapter 53. And this is where God is just saying, listen, I am going to do for you what you are completely unable to do for yourself. I'm gonna rescue you. I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna heal you. I'm gonna redeem you. I'm gonna restore you. Because you are completely incapable. Look at, chapter, look, at verse four, look at verse two. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And let's just pause right here because this just seems like what is going on? God is communicating to them. No matter what you do, even when I have to chastise you, even when I have to discipline you, even when I have to put judgment on you for the purpose of turning you to righteousness, you need to know that I am utterly and I am thoroughly committed to you. That's what he's saying right there. I am committed to you. And I, and, and, and I know that here in the context of the people of Israel and the context of Isaiah, we can look back and we can see the faithfulness and the commitment of God, but the ultimate faithfulness and the ultimate commitment of God to us is revealed and expressed in Jesus. And you need to know today that no matter where you're at, you need to know today that no matter what sin, yoke of bondage, no matter what struggle you're in, you need to know today that no matter uh, how harsh you may feel the judgment of the Lord, or the discipline of the Lord is on your life, ultimately God is committed to you. God has made a covenant beginning, beginning from the beginning of time. He made a covenant with himself, he made a covenant with Abraham. Made a covenant with Noah, made a covenant with David, made a covenant with Moses. God is a covenant-keeping God even, and especially when we are not covenant-keeping people. And he says, the ultimate covenant that I'm going to keep with you is sending my son Jesus to be for you what you could never be for yourself and to obliterate sin in your life and to bring you into a glorious future. Now, I've been wrestling with the Lord all morning long because I don't know about you, but God seems to speak particularly a lot during times of fasting. And by the way, if you're joining us for the first time today, uh, Antioch is probably in the first third of a 21-day of a fast. And we have just set this time aside at the beginning of the year to say, God, this is a time of sanctification, a time of consecration, and a time of preparation to seek your face with more focus to seek your face more intentionally, more emphatically, with more ardor and more intentionality. And I'm telling you, whenever you do that, God is always faithful to respond. It may not respond in the very moment, but I'm telling you, every time you set your face to seek God, he is faithful to respond to you. And the Lord has just been buzzing. Christy and I were saying the other day, it just feels like the Lord is talking more than usual. And I feel like there were some things that I had for you this morning that, uh, that didn't quite go with Isaiah 43 that I saw, but I think it does. Take, look at that phrase right there where it says, but now, but now. I think this is a but now moment for us. This is a but now moment. Some of you may feel like you're in exile. Some of you may feel distant from God. Some of you may feel like you're under the yoke of his discipline, but I want you to know that 2019 has the capacity in the Lord to be a but now season, where God breaks in, where where God steps in, where God puts an end to some things. And I have some things here that the Lord is just brewing all week long that I want to share, then we'll get back to some of the exegesis here of, uh, of Isaiah 43. I feel like there were some things that he wants to move us from, as a people. Now, let me just give a little bit of guidelines here on how to respond to prophetic words. Uh, You may hear some of these things and go, none of these are for me, that's okay, that's all right. Uh, I'm gonna do my best to not try to interpret these things for you. I'm gonna do my best to say, hey, when I hear these things and God speaks them to me, This is how I'm interpreting them for me. But as the Lord speaks these things to you, as I announce these things and proclaim these things, just take them and say, Lord, is this for me? Is there something here that you are speaking to me? And then it is incumbent upon you to seek that out. It is incumbent upon you to take that word and to say, God, what of this word am I responsible for? What in your scriptures are you supporting and strengthening and lean into that and pray into that? So number one, I feel like the Lord is saying this is a year to move from general to specific. I shared this as I was at a retreat, speaking to a, a number of staff members for Life Network a few days ago. And I wasn't even planning on saying that, but it was just, I mean, it was just popping inside of me. And I was like, this really isn't the best environment for it, but I'm gonna to try to be of, obedient to that and share that. But here's what I mean, or here's at least what this means for me. A couple of weeks ago, I was up early and I wasn't up early because I was righteous. I was up early because I was overwhelmed. I was up early in the morning because I couldn't sleep because I was ridden with anxiety because I was just ridden with stress. And so it was probably, it was early, early in the morning. And, uh, and then I tried to play that religious game with God where I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, same thing I shared today, I'm, I'm just gonna worship you first, right? Okay, and then I'm, then I'm gonna, you know, then I'm gonna just commune with you and delight. And the Lord's like, oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> Like I, he's just, I mean, he's, he's just doing some really great things right now, but he's like, son, when it's time to delight, don't try to, don't, don't try to get into a list when it's time to delight. But when it's time to get into a list, don't try to delight just because you think that that's like the formula, that's the way that you're supposed to approach me. If my child comes to me and they skin their knee, I'm not like, hey, hey, hey. let's just delight for a few minutes first. Right? I'm like, dude, what is it? Let's, what's the deal? Let's tend to what the need is. Because the Lord knows. I mean, I'm, I, guys, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. And the Lord goes, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? What's bothering you? What's plaguing you? And as I began to share with the Lord, and he brought to my mind uh, you know, that verse where it says in First Peter 5, to cast all of our cares on him for he cares for us. So I'm throwing out these cares, and they're pretty, they're pretty generic you know? And the Lord says, son, you have to move these from general to specific. You have to move your requests from general to specific. Now, if I, if I start off the new year and I said, yep, 2019, I'm going to be more healthy, right? Okay, great. How am I going to measure that at the end of 2019? So if you really want to enter in to deeper, listen, deeper, and I believe more dynamic interaction with God, we need to move our relationship with him from general to specific. Some of you just have a general relationship with God. It's just general. God's there, right? He's kind of in my life. There's this massive sphere and he's out there somewhere and, you know, going to church as part of this general relationship with God. And God's saying, I don't want a general relationship with you. I don't want a generalized, I don't want an ambiguous relationship with you. I don't want to use these ambiguous terms. The big guy upstairs. I want specificity in our relationship. I want relational history with you that I can look back on and you can say, on this day, I lifted up this exact thing and I went through this exact process and God did this exact thing in my life. Amen. And God is awakening some of that, I believe, in some of us. Number two, um, God, I heard this for, I, was, I was, I just had these, these conversations this week that I was not expecting. And I look back afterwards and I just in journaling and reflection and thinking about them go, God was in that. I'm learning how to see God in so many things. Christy and I had a beautiful member of the congregation over a house last week and just, you know, we were there to really tend to this person and walk through some things. And at the end of it, I could just look back and go, God was speaking to me all through that meeting. And I'm telling you, if you'll look for it, you'll see the fingerprints and you will hear the voice of God, even in things that are just kind of normal, commonplace, ordinary things that you're putting in different categories. Oh, this is just a business meeting, or this is just a counseling meeting, or this is just a... No, I'm telling you, God is, if you'll look, God, you'll see him in those places. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine. He's a pastor in in another state. And he used this phrase and it was just, boom, it was the word of the Lord to me. He says, the Lord is speaking to me about moving from just being open to the things of the spirit to pursuing the things of the spirit. And I was like, boy, if that ain't, if that's not me. And guys, listen, here's, here's what I believe that God is speaking to Antioch. And here's what my heart is, my heart for Antioch is I don't want to be a place that's just open. I don't wanna be a place that's just open to the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, you know, we're open, we're open. Holy Spirit, if you wanna do something, that's cool, we're open to it. Man, I wanna be over here where I'm pounding, not in a, not in a spirit of orphanhood, not in striving, not in works, but in a spirit of faith, in a spirit of agreement, and a spirit of obedience that is just pounding and saying, God, if you have this for me, I want it. I, I'm not just open. Open is so neutral. I think God wants to move us out of our neutrality this year. Let's get out of neutral. Let's get out of neutral. Let's shift into some gears. Let's say, God, if I've been in neutral, listen, there's no need for condemnation or shame on this. Sometimes we need to be in neutral. Sometimes life is just so doggone difficult that we say, God, I got to shift down and I got to power down and get into neutral. And God, guys, there's a grace for that for a season. But I also believe there's a grace to shift into first, second, and third gear and say, God, I want to move with you. I want to move with you. God, I'm not satisfied. I want to see people saved. I want to see see, uh, strongholds of darkness torn down. I want to see darkness in my own life dispelled. I want to become a better father. Uh, God, I want to pursue the things that are in your word that you say are possible, not just for the future eschaton, but for now. I want to see those things in my life and God shift me out of just being, I'm open. Lord, I'm open. Lord, if you want to meet with me today, I'm open to it. Are you kidding me? If I went to Christian and say, babe, I am passionate for you. Let's get together tonight. She'd go, man, ah, you know, I'm open to it. Right. Actually, actually, some of you guys know me and I know myself, but that would piss me off. <laughs> if I'm doing all the pursuing and you're just like, yeah, dude, I'm open to a friendship with you, bro. Cool, man, I'm open. I'm like, dude, Give me a break. (laughs) See, God is not just open. He's not just open to revealing to you the things of God. He's not just open to encountering you when you pursue him. He is ardently and passionately and faithfully pursuing your heart to reveal himself to you. And I'm telling you, when you have two people that are in sync like that, man, explosive things happen in the spirit. All right, here's the next thought for us is... This one was a little weird, I'll be honest with you. Because as a culture, we're conditioned, and I understand in business, this works is more, more right? And I, It works in preaching and communication. But how many of you heard the phrase, less is more. more, right? And I think inadvertently, we've kind of conditioned ourselves. And what we've done is we've reduced our relationship with God and the things of God to less is more. Now, don't, no, don't get me wrong. I think there's, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. Right? If I'm just preaching two hours, you're like, Pastor, less is more. Less, less is more. <laughs> but I felt like the Lord said to me, because here's what happens we start picking up one minute devotionals, five minute devotionals, devotions on the run. I mean, they have these. You go to Mardell, you'll see, you'll see a devotion for everything under the sun, devotion for the busy person. <laughs> And I feel like the Lord said to me, son, you gotta transition from less is more, and you gotta transition from less to more. Because there are some things, listen, there are some things that can only be purchased by more. There are some things that can only be purchased by more. And I'm not saying purchased by works. I'm saying purchased by grace. But I'm saying, God, I'm responding to you and you cannot listen. You cannot expect to walk in the fullness of the power of God if you're giving him two minutes a day. It's just not gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. Matthew chapter 25, there's a parable where Jesus, now it's a parable set in the context of the eschaton and it's a parable about 10 virgins and five virgins, they had their lamps ready and they were full of oil. They were full of oil. Now, what did they have to do to fill those things up with oil? Well, they had to work. They had to do. They had to spend some time. They had to go into town, however long that journey was going to be. They had to make a transaction. They had to work in order to get to a place where they could make that transaction. They had to have their lamps full, and if they were using their lamps and their lamps were burning and their lamps got empty, well, they had to reproduce the entire process all over again. How many guys are with me? Now, there was another group of people that, you know, maybe they were burning. Maybe they had oil in their lamp. Maybe they were hot and passionate for God at one point, but the oil went down and there's no light. There's nothing burning there. And they just went, ah, it's okay. No problem. No problem. And what happened? When the bridegroom came, they said, hey, hey, I'm just going to kind of like cherry pick off your relationship with God. I'm going to cherry pick off all the work that you put in and I'm going to say, hey, can I borrow some of your oil? And they're like, dude, get out of here. Go buy your own oil. They're like, oh my goodness, and now it's time to buy oil because the bridegroom's come and they missed something. And I'm here to tell you today that sometimes in God, more, more is required. More is required. More is required. More is required. Now, again, this is why our class on sonship is so important. Because, because we step into more, not from the attitude or the, per, the perspective of, of an orphan, that is just trying to to make up for some lack in our identity. We're stepping from the place of identity that says, God, if you have more for me, I want to lay a hold of it. Because in the end, it's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's not just for you. There are people on the other side of your more. There are people on the other side of your more and whatever it is that God has called you to do. And listen, God has called you to do great and mighty things. It's not gonna happen by just mediocre, average, just kind of what is, what is, what is the least that I can do to get by? All right, here's the third thing. I felt like the Lord said this, this year, in fact, it was actually a word from Christy. She came bursting into, it was just yesterday. And she says, I feel like the Lord is moving us from trust to love. He's moving us from trust to love. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, there are seasons in our lives where we need anchor points from God. Let me just actually back up. Let me back up. I think that when most of us first came to Jesus, I think when most of us first came to Jesus, it was less trust and it was more love. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And this is why scripture refers to your first love. This is why when he speaks to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2, he says, you have lost your First love, because there's something about first love. There's something about first love passion. It's crazy. It's full of affection. It's full of emotion. You know, and in fact, we do a lot of stupid things in first love. And you know, I think God's okay with that. I did a lot of stupid things with this girl in first love season. In fact, I need to probably get back to some of those stupid things. There's this scene, (laughs) serendipity, man. There's this scene. I shouldn't go there. Anyways, let me just explain some of it. But, you know, there's this, there's this awesome romantic comedy called Serendipity. And, and John Cusack falls in love with this girl and they just meet for one night and they exchange this glove. And, and he's like, you know, years later, he's on the brink of getting married. And he's like, I can't marry this girl. I don't love this girl. I met this girl. And in one night, she just, I'm smitten. And so his buddy, who's like a journalist at the Times, they're like going all over the country trying to find these hidden clues to find this girl. And at the end of the day, like, you know, John Cusack's just sitting there going, I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. And his buddy's like, no. This is exactly what I lost in my life. And this is why my marriage has fallen apart because you are walking in first love passion. Man, listen, guys, I'm, I'm on a journey. We're all on a journey. And I'm on a journey on finding some of these amazing, amazing traditional historical sacramental things that put these amazing pillars in my life. And they provide incredible stability. And they help with my trust in God. They provide that rope in the, in the blizzard. Like when I, when, I, when I go out into the blizzard, there's a rope that helps lead me back. But I'm telling you, there is a thing in God called first love passion. And I am just prophesying and I am believing that this year that God is gonna, and it's, and it's not that we leave trust. It's not that we leave trust. It's just that there's gonna be a first love awakened afresh inside of us. How many would say, yep, I'm there. I know what you're talking about. Along those lines. Sorry, my my handwriting is pretty awful. Not usually, but just in this moment, it's just really awful. Like, what did I write there? Oh, that's very good. Okay, so... (laughs) I think somebody just prayed for you. They're like, Lord, just bring revelation. Ah! (laughs) You know, this is for me. I'm going to just say this is for me. And maybe this is for somebody else. But all I know is for me, as I'm sitting here, singing these songs and engaging with the Lord in a different way, I felt like the Lord was saying the residue from the old season. And for me, I know exactly what that means. But he says the residue, the residue, the residue from the old season. It may not be that everything that was happening is still on you, but there's just this residue. You know what I'm saying? You know, like when you take that plastic label off and you still got that just that nasty stuff that just, it's just residue, okay? We, in our house, we like to make these smoothies and, and we like throw this green mix in there and so it's just the ugliest thing in the world. Cause then we throw this chocolate powder and so it's like this gross mix of brown and green and we're supposed to drink that stuff. And then we like put it in these cups and then we don't wash them right away. So then it's like this crusty, grody, brown, greenish thing stuck in the bottom of our cups. That's residue. And the Lord is saying, listen, it's not that your cup is full of that. It's just that you got the residue of some old season. And guys, listen, I've got so much junk that is stirring up inside of me, but the Lord's saying, son, it's good. It's good because you notice that when you take that cup and you submerge it with water, what starts to happen to that residue? It starts to just flake off it starts to flake off. And when you go deeper and when you give him more and when you submit to more of the word and you submit more of the strongholds of your thinking and you submit more of your mind and your imagination to the power of his word, to the power of his spirit, to the power of his presence, to the power of godly fire-filled environments, stuff just begins to break off and it begins to go to the surface and you can get rid of it. There's some bitterness that you need to get rid of. The residue needs to go. And listen, you can't make that happen. What do you do? You submerge it in the water, you just submerge it in God. Submerge it, soak it, soak it, soak it. There are some things, no matter how much you scrub it, you can pull out the SOS, you can pull out the Brillo pad and you're just scrubbing. Sometimes all it takes is soaking and time. And then it just comes off. It just comes off. And I am believing and I am praying that this year there's gonna be some residue from an old season that comes off of you, a season of failure, a season of disappointment, a season of grief, a season of, of, of failure, a season where people left you, a season where you were hurt, a season of betrayal, a season that ended, there's just still something there. No, it's not the predominant thing in your life. No, it doesn't come up all the time, but there's residue. There's residue. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like, I'm just weird with this. Even if there's a little residue in the cup and I fill it with water, I'm like, I don't want that, that's gross. Like, dude, just, just clean that junk. Just soak that mug before I start putting some clean water in and try to drink it. You know what I'm talking about? Unless I'm my missions, then I just drink whatever's given to me. <laughs> Old residue coming off. Um, I know this kind of seems real typical and maybe real stereotypical, but I just gotta, I'm just going to say it as it came to me. Guys, I, just, I feel like there's some things that have been dormant and inactive in our lives. And some of that's been circumstantial. Some of that has been time. Some of that's been God. Some, has been God. Some, some of those things needed to die. Some of those things needed to be buried. But I'm 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 just kind of sensing the stirring of things percolating, and where new things are springing up, but they're springing up clean and right this time. You understand what I'm saying? That you know, it's it kind of reminds me. Oh, there's a billion stories on this, but it just kind of reminds me of you know, like as young ministers, for those of you guys who can relate to this, as young ministers, man, we just come out the gates. We just come out the gates like these just unbridled wild stallions, right? I mean, we're just, you know, we're just praying in tongues and everything that moves and preaching to frogs and, you know, just, you know, we read a book by Leonard Ravenhill and we're like, we're going to just, we're going to change the world, revive, I mean, just just fire-breathing prophet dragons everywhere we go. And then, you know, we just experience you know, some hurt or we experienced some difficulty or things didn't happen exactly the way that we expected them to. Maybe some other people victimized us in a way that was like, that wasn't right. Then all of a sudden you start going and then just things start to die, you know? And it's not that a a zealous passion for ministry and for God is wrong. It's just sometimes God has to temper those things with some stuff. He has to temper those things with compassion, And temper those things with forgiveness and temper those things with seeing different parts of the character of God. But then, if you stay in it long enough, guys, listen, if you don't quit and if you don't give up and if you don't let your heart get broken and brittle and burnt out and bitter, I'm telling you, oh, something will spring up again. And it'll be small, but life, life, life will spring up again. Some of you, you entered into, particularly, particularly, you entered into full-time ministry. And there were some, there were just some wrong things, atrociously wrong things, unjustifiably wrong things. You were victimized. They were wrong. And I'm telling you today, hold on to your heart and hold on to God. Hold on to your heart and hold on to God. And I'm telling you, life, life will spring up again. And I am praying. There are some intercessors in this house. Some of you, some of you laid down your intercessor mantle. You just laid it down. I don't know why. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is that you get with God and you say, God, why did I lay that down? Where did the ax head fall? Where did the ax head fall? I laid this down. There are things that used to rev you up in the spirit, man. There are things, you know what I'm talking about. How many you know what I'm talking about? There was something that would happen. You know, you'd hear something and you would just get stirred and you would go, I'm getting after this. And listen, again, listen, we have to hear this rightly. Sometimes things happen and you have to walk away from that stuff. You have to. It is vital for your health. It is vital for your soul. But I feel like the Lord says, I'm calling you back. And guys, I'm speaking from experience. That can be scary. That could be scary. I've told God, I said, I don't want nothing to do with this. I I don't want to ever say the word apostle. I don't want to ever say the word prophet. I don't want to, I want, I don't want to, I want to say the word spiritual warfare. I don't want to say anything. I God, I want nothing to do with this. I want nothing to do with this. And the Lord's like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Let me love you. Let me be consistent. Let me be steadfast in your life, son. Let me love you a different way. Let me show you a different part of who I am. Let me heal you. And before you know it, things will come, they'll reemerge and they'll be clean. They'll be freed from selfish ambition. They'll be freed from false motives. And I'm just gonna just set this out here in the spirit, but I, I mean, I, we need the intercessors to rise up again. Amen. Not in your own strength, but we need you to hear the call of God to reemerge and to carry some things, to fight some fights, because I think there's some fights coming and we need you to carry them. I don't mean, I don't, we don't need you to go on witch hunts. We don't need you to find something spooky around every corner. We need you to be sensitive. We need you to be gracious. We need you to remain in a posture of learning, but we need you to be alert and we need you to be willing and we need you to be ready to engage with God again. And that, listen, irreplaceable gift. Two more things real quick. Jonathan, if you wouldn't mind coming on up because I went... We're ready to go. Um, This word here in Isaiah 43, it is a word to people in captivity. I mean, they they are in the throes of captivity. They are literally slaves to another country and they have no home. And God says, but now, but now, if you just, Denise, 43, one again, but now the Lord would say to you, this is what he says, Isaiah 43, but now the Lord would speak to you. And he says, you, Israel, who I created, you, Jacob, who I created, you, Israel, who I formed. Look at that word. I didn't just create you. Yeah, I created Jacob, but Jacob, you needed to be, you were something in you. I created you as Jacob, but there was something in you that needed to be transformed into Israel. And I formed you. God has had his fingers on your life. So I'm gonna speak to two different people here. You here in this room, God has formed you. He has gone through meticulous processes in your life, meticulous, grievous, difficult, wonderful, wonderful processes in your life. And he has formed you, he has formed something amazing and solid and beautiful and priceless in your life. And then the next thing he says, he says, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. Now they're hearing this while they're still in captivity. There are some of you that are still in the throes of captivity right now and you need to hear, fear not, God has redeemed you. God has delivered you. God has created a, a way out for you. You are not always gonna live under the yoke of this bondage in your life. And I know it feels like you're suffocating, but I'm here to tell you today, fear not, for I have redeemed you. And then he says, I have summoned you by my name. By your name. You are mine. You are mine, is what the Lord says. And some of you today need to hear that. You need to hear That God created you, he formed you. He redeemed you and he calls you by name. You are his. And he is committed. He is committed to the plan of God in your life. I also, as I was reading this and praying over this, I feel like for some of you, you have some family members that are far from the Lord. And just like Israel was far from the Lord, you have some family members that, man, Maybe at one point, they were the ones on the front aisle. Maybe at one point, they were the ones quoting scriptures. Maybe at one point, they were were the ones in ministry. Maybe at one point, but listen, but something happened. The axe had fell, and they fell. And you say, God, they're in bondage. They're in captivity. They're in exile, and there's no way this could happen. God says, but now. But now I created you, I formed you, I have redeemed you, fear not. And I just felt like, I'm not gonna say this is the year the prodigals are returning home. I am to say that, I am, I am saying, this is a word for prodigals. And I am saying, guys, let us contend again. Let us contend again. Let us believe again. Let us pray again. Let us cry again. Let us wail and weep and mourn and fast and travail again and say, God, would you release the prodigals in the same way that you released Israel from their captivity. Our sons, our daughters, our fathers, our mothers, our friends, God, stir our hearts again. We're not gonna give up on them. And finally today, I wanna say to you, I've been praying this for you. I've been praying that the Lord would give you a sign and a wonder to hold on. I mean, I'm kinda saying a lot of things here and you could, it's easy to just go, whatever, that's just what you think God said to you. I am here to tell you today, my prayer, God, give us a sign and a wonder to hold on. Give us a sign and a wonder to hold on. Give us a sign and a wonder to hold on. Sometimes when you are in exile, you need a word of hope to hold on to not just get swallowed up in despair. And that is my prayer, that God is gonna give you a sign and he is gonna give you a wonder. And, just, and, and it may not be the full manifestation of the miracle. Maybe it may not be the full manifestation of what he's called you to, but I will, I'm, I'm praying that he would give you something where you would say unquestionably, God, this is it, this was, I, I, I can hold on. I can keep moving. Ministers at the table, I invite you to come forward this morning. Antioch, you've been gracious and kind, allowing me to share all that. I know for some of you, this might be a very difficult word, but it is not designed to be a word of condemnation. I believe it's a word of hope. It's a word of hope. And so as we come to the table this morning, I want us to center our heart and center our faith on this fundamental truth that just as God was relentlessly committed to Israel, relentlessly, relentlessly, no matter what they did, even when he had to send discipline to them, he said, guys, I am so committed to you. I pray that we would come today and we would have a renewal of a revelation that God has committed to us he is committed to us. He's committed to you. He is committed to your family. He is committed to your dream. His dream working in you. Let us stand together this morning. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church sermon of the week. For more information about us, visit antiochcos.com.